Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the ISBA BursaCast. This episode has been recorded and released on February the 3rd, 2023, in the afternoon. This episode features Denise Allen, who is of course Head of Advice and Guidance within the ISBA, taking us through all of the latest information for the sector, which includes details on industrial action, the importance of proper estate management, ensuring that your site is safe, the disturbing topic of misogyny and the social figure Andrew Tate and the impact he is having on young men and boys. Moving on from this, we discuss crisis management and best practice. And moving on from this, we have another webinar series dealing with the Department for Education, Keeping Children Safe in Education, which is very important. And then we round it off with a little bit of information about Sarah McKim's new book, which you can get a discount for on the ISPA website. So without any more chat from me, let's jump in and hear from Denise. Uh, hi again, Leo, and, and thanks for inviting me once once more. I hope you've had a good week. Yes, thank you. It's been good. I was down to the ISPA offices to help them out yesterday, which was a nice little trip. Good yeah, to see where where the HQ is. The team. Always good to see the team and 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 uh, get together and have a a chat. That personal connection is is really important. So it's good to see you there. Absolutely, no, it was great. So there's lots of things to get through today, from industrial action through to issues with misogyny and Andrew Tate and that sort of stuff, yeah. along with you know things that you don't think about but trees are a topic today uh for yeah. quite a sad reason really but important to yeah. consider I the, always, the site I always used to think about trees a lot sadly in my in my we were um I was in a very rural location so I thought about trees quite a bit but um yeah it, it is a really sad case that we we're talking about today but uh, some important updates for schools to to consider so yeah, uh, it is a bit serious, but I just wanted to say I've had a terrific week as well. Um, I had a, a, a wonderful visit to a Surrey Hills school on Wednesday, which was amazing, but made very welcome. And earlier in the week, Rex and I held an online course with the newly appointed bursars for this term, which is a real pleasure. And uh, I'm hoping that we'll meet most of them at the lunch for newly appointed bursars at conference later in the year. So, so yes, it is a bit of a, a heavy uh, bulletin and, and podcast this week, but um, some good stuff going on as well. Always important to remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to focus on the positives as mm. well as accepting mm. the negatives. Mm. So on the topic of perhaps negatives, let's dive right in. Industrial okay. action. What do we want to be thinking about with this? So industrial action is is something, um, you know, we're all aware of uh, that there's a significant amount of industrial action that's been taking place in, in recent months. And, and then the past week, this has extended to the teaching profession um, with maintained sector colleagues who are members of the NEU having voted for a series of days for strike action. Now, John uh, Murphy and Oliver Daniels, who I listened to last week and I think the week before also on the podcast, they've both uh, spoken and advised on this subject recently. Uh, there's been a number of webinar updates, which you can catch up on uh, via the reference library on the ISBA website. It's also some great guidance notes. And as I just said, the podcast, too. So um, really, hopefully, bursts have picked up on most of those. But the advice and guidance team have recently received a number of questions around the topic, and it's it's primarily on how to deal with members of school staff, our members' school staff, whether they're teachers or support staff, 
who are not obviously striking themselves, but nonetheless find themselves impacted due to their own children's schools being closed. And while this dispute is not affecting our sector directly, these complications can lead to discussions around absence and pay. And Harris and Clark Rickby have provided a, a useful note to our schools on how to manage these situations. Well, and, and these are all in the reference library, specifically around dependency leave, uh, where there is a right to reasonable unpaid leave in an emergency situation for staff. But you know, many schools will have their own policies around pay in such circumstances. And it would be wise to have a think around how you will handle this situation should you be asked. Remembering, of course, always that most staff affected will not actually want to be at home. And that asking for this kind of support from you as their employer may be causing them some anxiety also. So it is um, a tricky situation, but something to be aware of. Industrial action generally is is something that none of us wants to face. Um, it is good to think ahead. And to that end, we suggest that school leaders are aware of the DfE's recently reissued guidance in how to handle trade disputes. And this week's bulletin carries links to this um, updated guidance. If you do encounter a trade dispute in your school, and, and just remembering that at the moment, the, the disputes that people are striking about are between uh, the government and colleagues in the maintained sector. But it is possible that you will encounter a trade dispute in your own school. And if, if you do, and your staff do ballot and vote for industrial action, then remember that only those who have reached the required thresholds can actually legally strike. Um, and as I said, currently in the maintenance sector, this is only the NEU currently. Days lost to walkouts will be unpaid <clears throat> and will also affect individuals' length of service records with consequential impacts on pensions and redundancy entitlements as well. So schools need to be aware of how to um, calculate a day's pay to remove that staff member's uh, wages each, each month but also be aware of how to make those amendments on their service records, particularly with the TPS, uh, where they are a member of the TPS. One thing that it is difficult to know in a school is who is actually a member of a union, um, as trade union membership is a special data category. And so the extent of any action is actually quite difficult to gauge in advance. But um, as Harrison Clark Rickaby have previously advised often the best approach is to try and maintain good communications with your common room to ensure the highest level of goodwill remains and, and do take a look at your pay structures and wider terms and conditions in advance to see where you sit alongside the maintained sector and, and perhaps your competitors locally. There are some organisations that can help you with benchmarking around these subjects. It's, it's obviously tricky to be able to share that sort of information uh, between schools you shouldn't be doing that but organizations such as Baines Cutler can provide a benchmarking service for you whether it's individually commissioned or as part of a national annual survey and if you do take place in the annual survey when when Baines Cutler approach you you will get a copy of the data they produce and and this will be useful information when discussing your approach on pay and conditions generally with your head teacher and assist in a considered proposal or conversation with your school governors. Okay, sure. Lots of helpful stuff there. Thank you. And yeah, last week's Burstercast with Oliver Daniels was great and went over some of these themes as well. Mm. And there's been a 
I think the most recent one was a TPS special, as I declared it, uh, that's also been released. That's a lot of information in that as well. So worth sure. worth dialing in. I mean, a, a lot of this stuff actually did come up. Uh, you know, I, I went through a TPS consultation and a lot of it came up at, at, at that time and schools will be going through it. So a lot of it will be, will be um, something schools are already aware of. But if you're not... If you've been in that fortunate position that you haven't had anything like this before, then then do do take time to look at that information that's available to you. Yeah, absolutely. And so moving from this onto what is the start of a little quite a depressing section, but important section of the Burstcast <laughs> is this topic of trees. And, you know, there's been an issue where there was a fatality tree fell in a school and there's been some serious kind of takeaways from that. What's been the details of this? So um, we had a, a, an update from the health and safety executive, and that, that is a, a tip I would make. If you haven't already, do subscribe to the HSE updates service because they do provide some really critical information and some really good pointers to be aware of. But um, as, as you mentioned earlier, that tragically was a case in a school where a six-year-old was hit by a falling tree in the school grounds. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine how awful that that whole human tragedy must have played out. But the result was that the HSC obviously came in and, and undertook an investigation. And the outcome was that the council concerned, this was a maintained sector school, was fined. Um, and and the, the fine levied was £300,000 almost, so a significant amount of money. And And so, you know, obviously, we want to alert our schools about this case. But not only from a buildings and grounds management perspective, but also with a view on the financial and reputational impact this sort of thing would have on your school. Um, as I said, quite aside from the human tragedy, of course, and the impact that that could potentially have on your staff and, and you know, pupils, peers. It's, it's, it's just a, a dreadful thing that's happened. And, you know, today, I'm, you know, as we're recording, I'm looking out my window in Hampshire and it's it's calm here today. No wind, no rain, no snow. But it's it's vitally important that schools maintain a careful eye on their grounds and buildings at all times to do what we can to avoid this sort of thing happening, um, especially in winter when high winds, rain, snow and ice can have such an impact on the integrity of not just trees but also gutters roofing tiles brickwork etc um so so very important that bursas take a, a good regular look at their estates you know walk round drive round with their estates managers groundsmen etc or or meet them to just review where they may be in you know alerting them to areas of particular concern so it's 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 not rocket science but you know in in periods where you've got a lot going on it's it's so important um because the consequences can be tragic as, as we've said and the bulletin this week signpost school specifically to a training course run by the arboricultural association i got that one out leo i was worried about that one that's a um, tough word fair play fair play <laughs> Um, there's a really useful training course that uh, schools can link up to uh, and potentially take take part in yeah, brilliant. I remember when I was at school, we had to have a few times. It was we were we were trapped in, in the houses because the tiles on the roofs were so so regularly flying off with the high winds yeah. that we were all bedded down for the day. Yeah, uh, it seemed great fun at the time, but I imagine the bursar was pulling his hair out. Uh, well, if he had any left. Well, there there is that. And, and was it a he? I wonder. Was it a he? Uh, I think it was at the time. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's quite a long time ago now. <laughs> I'll have to check the record. 
awfully long time ago. Yeah. Um, but moving from, well, on the topic of it, was it a he? Let's move on to the idea of misogyny. And, you know, recent media has focused on this figure, Andrew Tate, and the impact he's had. And it's it's not a good one, really. He's this figure and it's it's causing issues with young boys and men, well, some and at least. And what what's going on here? Well, you know, you'll be aware of it. I'll be aware of it. There's been a huge amount of media coverage of late on on the case of Andrew Tate. And um, I'm sure that most will be aware of the allegations he's facing, uh, you know, human trafficking, uh, rape, just, you know, grim subjects, as we were saying earlier. Um, this, But this chap is a, a former Big Brother participant, a kickboxer and, and a social media influencer, uh, and, and he does appear to have quite a, a hold on the views of some young men and boys, particularly uh, around gender um, and, and misogynistic views, unfortunately. So, so it, it is really key that schools are aware of their responsibilities around radicalisation generally, um, and, and they will be courtesy of the prevent duty, but this particular case does focus on misogyny specifically and the advice that's provided in this week's bulletin notes that whilst isolated incidents or cases of misogynistic behaviours do not necessarily require prevent referral that teachers and school staff generally should be alert to these incidents potentially leading to wider radicalisation which would require prevent referral so it's it's the start of uh, more concerning behaviours generally that um, staff should be aware of. And staff know their pupils really well, of course, they're best placed to identify any changes in behaviours that that might be uh, impacted by this case or, um, you know, what what children are hearing in the media. And particularly those staff with safeguarding responsibilities will be alert to that. So just, just be aware of it. The Scottish government has actually issued a, a number of guidance notes in recent weeks on how to approach communications generally and what preventative actions schools can take. And um, these are provided in the bulletin and also in the reference library this week. So uh, bursars and other members of staff can get uh, those quite easily. OK, fantastic. Yeah, Good that we've got some clear guidance on how to stop this before it gets any worse, mm. perhaps. Mm. Uh, and I think I've, I have just remembered it was Mr. Welty, so it was a man. There you go. Well, I, I I was dreading actually you asking me some sort of question to test my knowledge of uh, the the sector because I I heard John answering a really tricky question a few weeks ago and I was waiting for you to ask me something like that. So perhaps <laughs> next time you can ask me about the split of females and male bursars in the sector. Yes, um, actually, that would be an interesting t- statistic. Perhaps we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch this space. <laughs> Um, and actually, yeah. And the other question I had for John that we spoke about yesterday was, what's the average number of years a burster stays in post? I'd be intrigued Ooh. to see the data with that one. I think that's got to be somewhere between five and seven. John years. said seven, so you're probably thinking in the same ballpark. There. Yeah, yeah. But but unfortunately, it makes it look like it's about ten to fifteen years on some <laughs> Thank God no one can see me on this podcast. <laughs> oh dear me. No, it hasn't, hasn't taken a year off you. <laughs> and actually, to talking of things that will add years onto your life, crisis management. <laughs> yeah. There's been lots to do with this and some really great advice on how to deal with crisis management. Uh, what's the latest on this? 
so um, there's a really useful um, piece of guidance that's come in from uh, Hawthorne Advisors on crisis management. And the bulletin's got a, a, a link to that um, this week or, or goes through some of the advice that they've given this week. And um, coincidentally, I mentioned that uh, Rex and I had been on the newly appointed bursars course earlier this week. And we, we talked about crisis management, actually, as part of that. So quite a timely update in the bulletin for those newly appointed bursars to, to read a, a bit further on. The wider discussion was that we mentioned, obviously, all school bursars and schools need to be prepared for a crisis. And that's, you know, crisis in the general terms. You you will not be able to be prepared specifically in advance for everything that might happen. You know, risk registers in the past generally have pandemic. Um, but were we all ready for COVID when it came? Probably not. But we did we did react well because there was a, a, a thought about how we would deal with a pandemic, probably flew in advance. But uh, so schools were able to adapt that management process effectively at that time. So it does highlight the importance that schools should have thought in advance generally about how they'll respond to an emergency situation when it when it does come along. And, and Hawthorne have given us um, some really good tips. An incident management plan is, is obviously key. And, and just to remind everyone that this doesn't just involve your school executive, all staff in schools will have a role of some sort to play, um, not least in ensuring that only appropriate communications and briefings take place throughout the duration of the incident. Training should be given in advance. It's it's time well spent. Uh, it ensures not least that staff who are answering phones, sending emails, communicating with parents, etc., are sharing the appropriate level of, of detail. It's it's important that schools remain alert to media interest, of course. Um, you know, the casual friendly encounter at the school gate or question that can elicit a well-meaning but perhaps factually incorrect or careless response. So it, it, that training in advance is, is really key. Um, often difficult to plan into a busy school week, but I would, I would suggest perhaps an inset uh, training session might be a good idea. There is a note in the bulletin, uh, as I said, and that's a great place to start reviewing how you might handle a school emergency and your priorities. The key priority is that, of course, and, and all schools must remember this, is that they their priority is safeguarding and welfare first. So don't don't feel that you've got to respond to a media request straight away. The, the main thing is that you you look after the safeguarding and welfare of your children and your staff first. So. In uh, five key points, basically, number one is establish the facts and take control of the emergency that's happened. Have your critical incident plan ready. Know who plays what role throughout. So as I mentioned, that could be several members within the school staff community. Know who your spokesperson for the media will be uh, and make sure all the inquiries from the media are directed in that way. And don't forget, and this is usually the bursar that has to do this, contact your insurers, uh, your legal teams uh, first. They will give you some useful advice on how to manage the situation as well. And don't forget, communicate uh, with other stakeholders who will be anxious. So pupils, staff, governors and, and your alumni too, um, in conjunction with your SLT colleagues. Okay, big subject. Sure, thank you. It's a big subject, but um, there's some good pointers there, really, to to get you going and having a thought about it. 
Yeah, I think it's as with a lot of these things, it's just being aware of them and and taking the time to really think about it beforehand. Mm. Moving on to the next topic, which is going to be the Department for Education Keeping Children Safe in Education webinar series Mm -hmm. that is coming up, which is going to be a really useful set of webinars dealing with some really important topics that are ever more prevalent. What have we got coming up? So we've got some really good webinars coming, actually, Leo. So specifically around KCSIE. There's some subjects that the advice and guidance team have quite frequently, um, questions around low-level concerns. So there's a webinar about that. The single central register, no surprise, that one we get asked about a lot. Um, and helpfully, there is a webinar on how to manage your single central register and safer recruitment. But there's also um, a couple on sexting and online harms and another one on role the roles that school staff play within safeguarding incidents and uh, particularly in understanding and how you work with safe other safeguarding partners at those times. So some some really useful webinar series coming up from the DfE. Okay, fantastic. And on mm-hmm. to someone who knows all about looking after children. Uh, Sarah McKim, I believe, has a really fantastic book that is the, the handbook, I gather. Yes, she does. Um, it's called The Practical Guide to Independent School Standards, uh, which trips off the tongue. <laughs> um, and I've got a copy here and, and uh, most of it is by do in the advice and guidance team. Um, but she's she's reissued it, updated it. And uh, there's a discount code on the bulletin of 25 percent for anyone who wants to purchase a copy. Sarah is hugely knowledgeable uh, and a trusted advisor to Isburn and has assisted us in delivering safeguarding courses for bursars uh, recently. And um, the book is is such a terrific help. It includes sections on SEND, mental health, child on child abuse. It's got examples of recent case law and, and it helps you to interpret the standards. So it's hugely, hugely helpful. So recommended read. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Well, That'll round off the BursaCast for this week. Thank you for your advice and guidance and general wisdom. I've got a, a final question for you. As, as requested, it's not about bursas, but it's what percentage of teachers are female? Oh, you rotter. I nearly called you something much worse then. <laughs> what percentage of teachers are female? Mm. Well, it's going to be higher, I imagine, in, in primary schools, I think. Have you got it between those two different categories? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah. This is just from the, okay. from the government government website. Gosh, I think I'm going to go for 70% female. You're, you're not far off. It's, yeah, around there. So we'll say three quarters of teachers are women. So, yeah, you're pretty much bang on there. And that's from 2020, which is an interesting statistic. I, I think it will be, I mean... I'm making a real generalisation, but I, I think probably primary school, higher, a um, few less maybe in secondary school. Don't know. It'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Mm, well, 92.9% of head teachers were white British, mm. which is a, a very interesting statistic. Mm. But uh, yeah, there's. I mean, if, if anyone listening to this is curious, just Google it. There's lots of fun facts to be had. Well, Thank you, the government website. I, sh- I shall be ready for the next uh, surprise question. <laughs> Yes, do some swatting up. Yeah, quite. And, and can I just apologise? I've had a cold. So if I sound a little bit uh, gruff today, that's why. 
That's all right. We don't mind a bit of gruff. That's what we can deal with that. Um, Denise, I'll let you get on. Thank you so much for taking the time. As always, Thank really you. appreciate it. And Thanks I'm sure we'll have you back on. And, and don't forget, there's um, a certain birthday boy today. We ought to be. Oh, my God. Yes, of course. A happy birthday to you. Would you like to do the honours? Happy, a big happy birthday to the main man himself, John Murphy. I'll yep. spare you a song because it'll sound horrible. <laughs> I, and I'm not possibly commenting on how many bumps he needs today. No, surely no more than 21. Is he spring chicken? 21 plus VAT, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Plus VAT. Good. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. <laughs> Diplomatic. Right, Denise, I'll let you get on. Thanks so much. Thanks, Leo. Lovely to talk to you. And just like that, you've made it to the end of another episode of the BursaCast. If you did enjoy it, please make sure to give us a five-star rating, send it to members of your team, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening. Hopefully, I'll see you at the upcoming finance conference. But if not, till next time, farewell. <laughs>